Okay, if you can turn with me please to Luke chapter 5 this morning. I want to continue on a little bit with uh, where I was going a few weeks ago and um, I want to look at this whole issue of obedience. Now, obedience can be uh, perceived as a negative thing. Uh, we live in a society today where obedience is not really, really high on the agenda. Um, once upon a time when I was a kid, if my parents told me to do something, um, you would probably just do it. If your teachers told you to do so, I know that sounds funny to you, Theo, but I, 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 once upon a time I did. It's only since I met God that I've become this person that bucks and pushes. But anyway, um, obedience doesn't seem to be a really high value. Uh, anymore and uh, you know children now want everything explained to them and I'm not saying we shouldn't explain to our kids I'm not saying that what I'm saying is that the concept of submitting yourself to another authority admitting that there is an authority above you in any realm of life and that that part of that uh, authority's responsibility is to communicate to uh, to uh, pass down advice or, or direction or whatever, and then choosing to submit myself to an authority over me is not uh, something that's natural to our, uh, our society. And yet I do think that it is something that's really, really important to us experiencing fullness in this Christian journey. Uh, how many of you want to be the person that God wants you to be when God made you? And he had a plan and a purpose in mind. This is the person that I want you to be. How many of you want to be that person? I, I, I do. I want to be that person. I know right now I'm not. Uh, for many years I did not walk with Jesus. I had no interest in God. I wasn't brought up in the church. Uh, I didn't have a Bible in my house. We didn't go to church Christmas and Easter. I was very far removed from God and did my own thing uh, with my mates. And whatever I wanted and whatever felt good, I did it. But I did come to a point at 19 years of age where I reached the end of my tether and realised there has to be more to life than what I see, taste, touch, feel, smell because this natural world just doesn't have enough to fill that space that's inside of me and I might have looked happy and looked like I had it all together but when I would go home and the party was over and all the stuff would wear off and I was by myself, I would sit there and I would be depressed and flat and the emptiness would come back bigger and louder than it was before. And so my journey was one of constantly trying to fill that emptiness, trying to find something that would make sense of this existence and I could not find it until I realised that what makes this existence uh, real what makes this existence come alive is when I get reconnected to God, the creator of the universe. When I was a child, and you're probably the same, I could stand on a cockroach and go, who can stand on a cockroach and just squash it and who cares? I could always do that. But there was something inside of me said that if we all evolved from just this, this bulbous mass of two atoms that collided together, why can I stand on a cockroach and squash it but I could not hurt a baby? What's the difference? Something inside of me told me that there's something different between the value of that cockroach or that spider and the value of a human being. So straight away, we can't have all just come from a piece of mud. There's a value base inside of me that tells me there's something different about that species and this species and so on. And so I began my little journey and I discovered the reality of God and I discovered that Jesus was not a, a, a Father Christmas or Easter Bunny type character. He's an actual historical figure who is documented not just in these documents here, this Bible, but outside of that as well. And as you, if you look into that, you'll see that, you know, a lot of the stuff in this book um, explained things to us before we understood what it was even saying. You know, uh, some of the ancient prophets uh, wrote that the world was a sphere, that, that uh, the psalmist says that the world is a sphere. And that was written back way before uh, a time, only not too far back in human history, when we had educated men who thought that the world was flat, and if you went too far on a boat, you'd sail off the edge of the Acer computer. You seen the ad on TV? 
we're at the end of the world. And the guy goes, where are we going? Over it, sir. And they're about to go over it. These were educated people in their day who thought that was it. Yet all the while they had this, these ancient documents that said, hey, the world's actually a sphere. It's not that... Yeah, this ancient document talks about stars that were singing to one another. You know, it says in the Psalms, I think it is that the stars sing, or it might be in um, in Job, where, where where Job God speaks to Job and says, you know, did you make the stars to sing? And then in recent history, what have we done? We've discovered these satellites and these things that go up into space. And guess what? We realise, wow, the stars emanate this noise. Well, you know what? Thousands and thousands of years before you discovered that, we understood it. it this document was trying to tell mankind so much stuff. And you know what? As time goes on, we'll discover more and more things that were already in here. And all of a sudden, things will be discovered. And we'll go, oh, that makes sense because it was here, you know? So reality for me was found in God. Um, and I don't know why I'm going down that path. I just love to talk about God and my own journey with God. So that's a little snippet of where I came from and so on. But when I came to God, I realized something that God has a life for me. And he has a type of life, a quality of life that he wants to give me. And when I come to Jesus, my life shouldn't necessarily still be a year down the track, two, five, ten, twenty years down the track, exactly the same as what it was when I didn't have Jesus. There are things that transpire and change. That's part of the journey uh, of discipleship. That's part of our journey with God as we get to know him and surrender more and more of ourselves to him. And there's that, that dirty word surrender again that people don't like. Surrendering. In other words, I don't surrender control of my life. No one ever surrenders control of their life. You just surrender the control of, but you don't actually surrender control. In other words, God gets into uh, the car, but I, I think a better, and I hear this description that he gets into the driver's seat, and I understand what we're saying, but a better description is he gets into the passenger seat and he tells you where to take the car. He tells you, turn left, turn right. You have complete, total control whether you turn left or right. He does not take the wheel from you. But he's sitting there going, this is what I'd like you to do. This is the way I think you should live your life. We sung a song this morning, and I loved it. I can't remember what song it is, but one of them talks about um, your ways. Um, I, Defender, and what does the line go? Your, and Sue even mentioned it too, about your ways are better or something like that. You know, Your ways are better. So God's ways are better. And then my ways, they're better than your ways, and so on. And so Luke chapter 5, there's an interesting story uh, about um, some guys that are fishermen. And they've been fishing all night, the story goes, and then Jesus comes along and jumps into their boat and then he begins to teach. So again, here we go, all these years ago, Jesus understood that that sound travelled across water. And so he gets in this boat and he pushes out a little bit and he uses the water. to. I mean, it's amazing the scientific stuff that's in these ancient documents that sometimes we just read. But, but all this time back, Jesus, I don't know whether he went to sound engineer school and learnt that. Or whether these people just knew that, hey, sound travels across water. So we pick it up in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, So it was, as a multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God. They wanted to hear what he had to say. That he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. So there's two boats there. But the fishermen had gone from them and they were washing their nets. How many of you ladies like to be disrupted when you're cleaning? Hands down, both from Jackie. Her hands went down, her ankles went down, everything went down. Nobody likes to be disrupted. When, how many men like to be disrupted when they're cleaning? I'm more than happy. Best time to contact me is when you know I'm cleaning something. Just give me a call, I'll lay it down, I'll chat, I'll, I'll converse with you, no drums. You want to do something, pick a time when I'm already occupied, locked in, cleaning something. I'll come and do it with you, I don't care what it is. Um, so these guys are washing their nets, they're cleaning. And verse 3 says, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. So he gets into the boat and he says this to Simon, just let's go out into the shallows. 
We're just going a little bit out from the shore here. And so Simon pushes a little bit out into the shallow. So I want you to imagine that, that you're all on the land and Jesus gets in the boat here and says, Simon, will you push your boat out a little bit? And so Simon just goes out a little bit here into the shallow water. And then it says that Jesus began to teach the people on the land. So try to picture it. Jesus is sitting here and he's facing you and he's talking. And we don't know which way the boat was anchored or the tide, so we don't know which way it was going. But we do know this. Jesus is sitting here and he's teaching. He's sharing the word of God. He's preaching. And Peter is hearing every single word. Why? Because Peter is in the boat with Jesus. So Jesus is in Peter's boat. Hands up if Jesus is in your boat this morning. Jesus is in my boat. He's in my life. He's, he's a part of my world. I have bowed by knee. I have accepted that I'm a sinner and I've accepted the grace of God and the salvation of God. I've accepted that I can do nothing to save myself, but Jesus did everything 2,000 years ago. So that's what I've accepted. So Jesus is technically in my boat, and he's in your boat too. And in this story, here's Peter in the shallow water, and Jesus is in his boat. And Jesus is teaching. So everything Jesus is saying, Peter's hearing this stuff, sitting in the shallows. And then Jesus does something. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Now here's what Peter would have had to have done. His nets were on the shore being cleaned. So Peter would have had to make a decision and that decision would have required a fair bit of commitment and action. And so he would have to go back into the shore, he's only in the shallows, back into the shore, load the nets into the boat, head back out into the deeper water. Jesus said, let's go out into the deep and let down your nets. And Peter says this to Jesus... He says, Master, we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing. We've toiled all night and caught nothing. So Peter, I want you to go and do something. I want you to go and chuck your nets out. And straight away, Peter goes, well, hang on, let me have a think about this for a second. Here's the truth. Truth is this, I've fished all night. And by the way, in case you didn't notice, look at your hands, you're a carpenter. Hello, Peter's fishing. I'm a fisherman. I know fishing. And here's the thing, I've been fishing not just for an hour. How many of you guys like to go fishing when you don't get a bite in 20 minutes, you go home? There we go, we've got a couple. I bet you there's more than that. How many of you have ever caught a fish that big? You're a liar, because all fishermen lie about the size of their fish. It's not true. It was probably that big, wasn't it? I'll bet you. That probably was, because I think you are a good fisherman, actually. So, Mine, you know what I do? I hold them out in front of the camera, because that's a fishing trick, by the way. If they take a photo, you hold it directly out in front of you. And, and the camera makes the fish look bigger. Did you know that? You hold it out and it looks bigger. Yeah, that's what... But I've never done that. I hold it behind me because they're just too big for the lens. But um, other people have done that, so they've told me. But Peter sits there and he's thinking, you know what, we fished all night. And now if he's fished all night, he's probably done his research and, and he's, he's used his body of knowledge and gone, well, the weather was good, the tides were good, the fish were biting. He didn't spend all night out there because he wasn't expecting to catch a fish. He's out there all night because he's done his homework. He's a smart man. He knows fishing. And he thinks he's going to catch something. But at the end of the night, guess what? He caught nothing. And then he's at the end of his day and he's on the shore and he's cleaning his nets. And then Jesus says, get the nets back in the boat. Go back out there. And I want you to drop your nets down and let's go fishing. And Peter starts thinking through all the reasons why what he had done and why he thinks and why he knows and what his experience has been and what his education tells him and what his training tells him and what his knowledge tells him. But I love what he says at the end of it. He says, Lord, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, 
Everyone say it. At your... At your... Word. At your word, I will let down the net. When they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Peter had all the natural reasons why doing what Jesus said wouldn't work. He's got all the natural reasons why doing what Jesus said will not produce results. He's been there all night. He's trained in the trade, he's educated, he's had an experience of all-night fishing with nothing. Not only that, it's really inconvenient now too because I'm going to have to go back into the shore, I'm going to have to put my nets back into the boat and then go back out into the deep. This is a big call and a big decision that Peter has to make, but I love his attitude at your word. Because you said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to back what you say over what I think. I'm going to back what you say over what my experience tells me. I'm going to back what you say over my skill set. I'm going to back what you say over my experience. I'm going to back what you say over what my culture says. I'm going to back what you say over what my family background might be or whatever it is. He says, nevertheless, at your word, because you said to do this, I'm going to go back out into the deep water and I'm going to put down my nets. You know, it's a shame when you look at statistics around the world about problems within the context of the church and outside. Anyone ever done that? Financial ruin and debt. You know the statistics of people in the church and outside? It's fairly on par. There's not much difference. Um, Relationship breakdowns. The statistics are fairly on par for those that claim to be Christians and those that, that, that claim no affiliation with Jesus Christ. A lot of the statistics are pretty much on par. I think that's a real, real shame because I think Jesus wants to make a bit more of a difference in our life. Amen? I think Jesus wants to do some things. I'm not saying that our life becomes perfect. What I'm saying is this, that I think God's plan for us is to take us from where we are and to turn us into something else. I think his plan is to to, to grab us here, but then to move us from this thing called human existence and move us to this place called an abundant life. That's what he's trying to do. But the way that we get there is by doing what he says, not what my background tells me, not what my experience has been, not what I think, not what my culture tells me. It, it comes back to actually doing the stuff that Jesus talks about. And when I look at the statistics and, and the fact that within the church and outside the church, there's very, very little difference, all I can think is that maybe, just maybe, and I just want to throw it out, just maybe, Maybe we're content to sit in the shallows and hear what Jesus has to say. Maybe we haven't made the transition yet to push into the deep and start doing what Jesus said to do. Are we content to be shallow water hearers, to gather information, to sit there, to go to conferences and podcasts and church meetings and pick up our Bible and read and get all this stuff? Are we content to just be hearers? Are we content to be shallow water hearers? Or are we prepared to get out in the deep water and let down our nets and do the stuff that Jesus talks about, even though it seems counterintuitive to your culture, to your background, to your own education, to your own way of thinking? I mean, let's, 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 let's think about it. Christianity, in the natural sense, sounds crazy. You give to receive. That sounds ludicrous. 
That, 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 that if you empty yourself, you get filled. That's not the way of the world. Uh, bless those who curse you. Naturally, wants to do that. And that, that word bless literally means speak well of them when they're speaking ill of you. Who wants to do that in this natural world? How does that make any sense? It just doesn't make any sense to bless somebody that curses you. That Jesus said, if you want to live, you've got to die. How does it make sense to lose control of your life but end up with a better life? It makes no natural sense because you've got to be in control of everything all the time. And so there are a lot of things about this Christian life where I feel like Peter. God is saying in his word, I want you to live this way. And I'm going, well, here's the deal. I've toiled all night. I've done this, I've done that, I've tried this, and so on. And I've got to come to the point of going, well, because of this, I'm happy to just sit in the shallow water, and I'm just happy to hear what you have to say. Because I want to hear. I mean, I love, who doesn't love hearing the Word of God? Who doesn't love, hear, love it when God speaks to you about a problem or a situation? But it's another thing to paddle out into the deep water and go, well, I'm going to do what you're saying. I'm not content to just hear about it. Now I'm going to start doing it. And I believe we, sh- we, we cut ourselves short as believers because I wonder how often do we just gather the information and hear the stuff and we're content to sit in the shallow water and listen. But then we get out there in the world and our life's reflection is really not much different to the rest of the world. When Jesus all along and God in his word is trying to say to us, there is a pathway to a better life. But the pathway to the better life is this, it's obedience to what I'm saying. It would be absolutely crazy of me to jump in my car after church, go down onto the highway, point it south, and hope that I'd land in Brisbane. Huh? If I drove down there and said, I'm going to go to Brisbane, I'm going to get on the highway and head south, and I'm hoping to hit Brisbane in two and a half to three hours. If I didn't hit Brisbane in two and a half to three hours, it would be crazy for me to expect that to happen. Secondly, it would be pretty crazy for me to blame God for that. I've got a map there that tells me if I want to get to Brisbane in two and a half, three hours, hit the highway, drive north, and you've got a way better chance of landing in Brisbane if you go there. And even if I make a couple of wrong turns, hey, I'm heading in the right direction, I can find some signs and get myself, but to jump in on the highway and head south is ludicrous. Yet I wonder how many of us are like that. We want the, 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 the fulfilled life. We want satisfaction. We want the promises of God. We want the, 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 the prosperity. We want the, and I'm not just talking money and things. I'm talking the peace. Jesus says, peace I give you. Peace I leave with you. Not like the world gives you. The kind of peace I'm giving you is not a temporary thing. The peace I'm giving you is the kind of peace that Jesus displayed when he was on a boat one day. And the disciples are going across the lake and there's a massive storm. And what does it say? The disciples are grabbing the ropes and screaming. "Ah!" And they go, where's Jesus? And they look over there and Jesus is asleep on a pillow. Now that's peace. Who doesn't want that kind of peace? Who doesn't want to be in the middle of a storm like that? But be able to curl up and lay down and sleep because you just know that God has got it in control. Who doesn't want that kind of peace? But we don't get that kind of peace by jumping on the highway and going, well, I want to go south, but I expect to land in Brisbane. No, no, no. If I want to hit Brisbane, then I've got to do what the map says. I've got to go down there and head towards head to the north. I've got to go that way. I can't make up my own way. There's a way to get there. And when I read these ancient documents, I can't help but seeing this. God seems to be predisposed towards blessing his ways. Anyone notice that? He's predisposed towards blessing his ways, but he's not predisposed towards blessing mine. There's a way that seems right to a man, 
And my way always seems right. And I want to go through life and I want to do what I want to do, the way I want to do it, when I want to do it, because I want to do it. If, if, if you offend me and I want to hate you, I want to hate you but still be blessed. If I don't like you, if I, I want to speak ill of you and, and still be blessed. If, if I want to keep all my stuff to myself. I don't want to be a generous person and I still want to be blessed. I want to land in Brisbane, but I just want to go about it my own way and draw my own map. And God's pulling his hair out going like a good father. Do you not realize I'm predisposed towards blessing a certain way? And I'm telling you, this is the way. And if you do my way, I'm predisposed towards blessing you when you do my way. How many of you have ever tried to tell your children what to do? And they didn't do it. Some of you can't raise your hands because your kids are next to you understand that. Just give me a wink. Winks all over the place. It was like a breeze coming at me with the eyelids flapping. We, we have our kids and we love our children to death. And when I tell my kids to do something, that's, it's, it's for their betterment. I've got um, three adult kids now and, and they wanted, they've got stuff going on in life and I'm forever, me and Jackie are forever saying to them, if you would, you know, here's what we think you should do because if you do this, hey, it has no bearing on me. I'm still going to be your dad whether you do it or you don't. I'm going to love you whether you do it or you don't. This has nothing to do with your father accepting you or loving you. But it has to do with a path. There's a way that seems right to a man but leads to destruction. But there's a way that God has and it's a path that leads to prosperity and blessing and peace and fulfillment and satisfaction. That's the path of God. We sing the song, you're a good, good father. It's not a song, it's true. He's a good, good father. But at the end of the day, we've got to make our own choices and we've got to decide which way do we want to travel in this world? Do we want to commit to doing it his way? Even when I stand there and go, but I've toiled all night and caught nothing. I should know. But you say this. Am I going to sit in the shallow water and be content to just be a shallow water hearer and hear what Jesus teaches? Or do I want to paddle out into the deep water and say, I'm going to make the choice from now on to be that deep water doer. I'm going to do the stuff that you're talking about. Because all the things, here's the thing, everything God has for you is on the other side of everything God says to you. Everything that God has for you is on the other side of everything that God is saying to you. I want to bless you. And here's how you're going to get blessed. Do this and there's blessing. You choose not to do it, then you don't get that end result or you don't get the peace. You don't don't feel like you're growing. You don't feel like you're getting to know God more. You don't feel like his fingerprints are more in your life. One year, two years, 10 years, 20 years down the track. Some people are still content to sit in the shallow water and just take in all the words and listen to everything he's saying. And when he turns around and says, Rightio, here's the thing. James said this, don't be just a hearer of the word, be a doer. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And we can sit in the shallow water and be content just to hear. And in doing so, we become self-deceived. Because we think it's just all about hearing and knowing. Knowing something doesn't mean you did it. Knowing something doesn't change your life. Information doesn't change you. Doing something is what changes your life. Anyone ever heard of an English uh, uh, writer and philosopher journalist called G.K. Chesterton? Chesterton said this once. He said, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. I love that statement. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. In other words, no one's lived it and gone, Gee, that doesn't work. But many people have looked at it and gone, gee, that's tough, Jesus. 
I've been fishing all night, and you're saying go in, get those nets, and get back out. That's a bit tough. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for the offer, but I think that makes more sense. I have never, ever obeyed God, done something that he told me to do, followed his prescription map to get to anywhere, and and, and not got there. It just doesn't happen. And I'm not talking about five cars and ten houses. Please, please, please don't, list, don't, don't go hearing prosperity when I say that word about all the material things. But don't totally dis- disregard that too because I believe that God's got no problem with blessing you financially and, 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 and prospering you monetarily. I've got no problem with believing that. I used to be one of these guys that my prayer was, Lord, just give me everything I need. And then one day I realized, how selfish is that? I just want enough money to meet my needs, God. I feel like the Holy Spirit one day just said, how selfish is that? It's all about you. What if you, what if you were just generous enough to have more than that and just keep what you needed and use the excess to help other people? Why wouldn't you want to be prosperous? Why wouldn't you want to be blessed financially? And I had to have a bit of a... My, 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 my brain was discombobulated by that statement. <laughs> Flicked it around on an end. But God has a way to get things to us. We'll never be the people we're meant to be and we'll never achieve everything we're meant to achieve or do all the things that you were created to do if we don't make the decision that's just not enough to know stuff. We have to make the tough decision and sometimes the uncomfortable decision but at the end of the day the easy decision to do it. Some of us are one decision away from God beginning transformation in certain areas of our life. Forgiving that person. Oh, but it's too, you don't know. Make the choice to forgive. Because everything God has for you in that is on the other side of that decision. Start blessing that person who curses you. Oh, but you know, no. Start blessing. Because that's what he says. And everything he's got for you is on the other side of everything he's saying to you. Sometimes we sit there and we go to God, I want the blessing first. I want the miracle now, and then I'll do what you say afterwards. And God goes, it doesn't work like that. I want you to do what I'm saying to do. And then watch what I do on the back end of that. Let me, let me finish with this. I'll finish up. I've actually tried to stick to my notes. I think I've done two lines so far. <laughs> two lines so far. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, says this. God, speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the nation of Israel, he says this, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than than your thoughts. Now, I did some research because I love to dig around in the Greek and Hebrew, and I found out that that word higher in Hebrew, it actually means higher. <laughs> Funnily enough, they got it right. In other words, your thoughts are here, and here's a here. Your way of handling that relationship problem is here. Your way of handling that business problem is here. Your way of handling that financial problem is here. Your way of handling that, that issue that you're going through, the circumstance, whatever, your way of dealing with that, the best knowledge you've got is here. And God's going, that's your way, and this is my way. And why is it that we persist and continue to go, okay, 
here's the thing. There's two things to believe in that. Number one, that God's way is higher than my way and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. We can all believe that. Amen? Everybody in this room, if I said, do you believe that his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher? Every one of us would go, amen, we believe this. That they're not the same, sorry. That his ways and our ways are not the same. But when I say his ways are higher, that's when it becomes a bit of an issue, doesn't it? Yeah, I know that the way God sees life is probably a bit different to me. I can amen that point. But the second point, can I admit that his ways are higher? Because that's a decision. That's something we need to admit and surrender to every moment of every day. His way is higher. And how do I know whether I actually agree that his way is higher? Well, I just take a look at the decisions I make. Just take a look at the way I live my life. Follow me around for 24 hours and you could probably have a bit of an idea of whether I actually believe my ways are higher than his or his ways are higher than mine. His ways are higher than ours. Higher than ours. So why is it so important that we start doing what God says? It's because everything that God has for you is waiting on the other side of everything that God says to you. Everything that God has for you. It's on the other side of everything that God says to you. And here's the challenge. Do we want to sit in the shallow water and be hearers? Or are we prepared to paddle into the deep water and start being doers, even though maybe everything within you says that makes no sense? Everything within you says that's not the way it works, and so on. We've got two choices to make. We can sit in the shallows, because in the shallow water you learn that you can trust God. So you get all this nice information saying you can trust God, God can be trusted, God's good, God you can be and, and you can sit there and gather all that information. In the shallow water you learn you can trust God, in the deep water you learn to trust God. You actually learn to trust God in deep water. In shallow water you're encouraged by the stories of other people. Other people tell you about how God was good to them and how he got them through this situation and how they he did this and he did that. Shallow water people are encouraged by the stories of others. Deep water people are encouraged by their own stories. Because all of a sudden you start getting your own testimonies. You start getting your own stories because you put yourself out there. You've gone out into the deep water and you've let down that net in front of everybody on the shore. And everyone on the shore knows that you brought it in because there was no fish. And here you are, you're back out there. Do we live on other people's stories or do you want to live on your own stories? You don't get your own stories in shallow water. You hear other people's stories. You paddle out into the deep and you start getting encouraged by your own stories. In the shallow water you can know about God. But in the deep water, that's where you encounter God. We can stay in the shallows and we can hear about God. God is faithful and just and we can hear all sorts of stuff about God. Who wants to, who wants to live their life knowing about God? Or who would rather live encountering God? The world doesn't need information about God and neither do you. And if you come here every Sunday just to get information, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. God doesn't want to just give us information. God wants you to encounter him. But we don't encounter God in the shallow water so much. We really encounter him when we put ourselves out there and go, well, I'm going to trust you in this situation. God makes no sense to me, but I'm going to do what you say and I'm going to see what the result is. And the result is this, that God always carries us through. And finally, in the shallow water, faith comes to you. Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes by what? By hearing. So Peter's sitting there in the boat and everything Jesus is saying He's hearing. And faith comes to you by hearing. And how many times have you picked up the Bible or heard a preacher or something and, and, and something's been said and, and faith has come to you? All of a sudden you've grabbed it and gone, yes, that's, yeah, and you get excited and pumped and so on. Well, that's great that faith came to you. Faith comes to you by hearing. But it's in the deep water that faith actually grows. 
faith can come to you every day of the week, but if you do nothing with that faith, that faith is dead. Listen to what James said, James 2, verse 26. He said, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Ever been to a funeral? The body is there. It's present. You can't deny the existence of the body, but it's useless because the spirit is gone. So James is saying. Faith can come to you and you can have it and it can be there. If you're not doing something with it to grow it, it's like a body without a spirit. It's just dead. Some say, I, I, I have faith apart from works. James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, if I really believe it, if I really believe it, I'll do it. And if I'm not doing it, Luke chapter 6, verse 46, one of the most confronting verses, I think, in the Bible. It's the story of the wise and foolish builder. And Jesus says this before he goes on. He talks about two people. We all know the story. Two people, they built a house, you know, and the storms came and all that sort of stuff. Everyone know that story? Wise and foolish builder. They all heard the words of Jesus. Read the story. They had everything in common. Every one of those people was sitting in church this morning, and they were all listening. Every one of those people had a storm come against their house. The winds beat and the rains. Everyone had the same situations, same circumstances they're facing. One person's house stood firm. One person's house fell over. And Jesus explains it this way. The one who heard the words and did it, he stood through the storms. The one who heard the words and didn't, house collapsed. The shallow water hearer, no change. House just collapsed because it doesn't matter what you're hearing. A deep water doer, Pressure came, stood firm, stood firm. And right before he tells that story, Jesus says this in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? It's confronting, it's challenging, isn't it? I go back to that verse and I examine my own heart, my own life, and I go, okay, I call you Lord. But Jesus is saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not? In other words, if you're not doing what I'm saying, can you really call me Lord? Just call me God. Call me good. Call me the eternal. But can you call me Lord if you're not doing what I'm asking? It's challenging. What do you want to do? 2020. Do you want to... You're content to be a shallow water here and just sit in the shallows and just hear stuff about God. Are we the kind of people that are desperate to get into the deep water? Because we want... Our testimonies, we want our stories, we want to grow in our faith. I don't want to be the same person, I want to uh, overcome, I want to prosper, I want to be successful, I want to be blessed, I want peace, I want joy, I want all the promises of God. If I'm that kind of a person, then uh, you know, I believe that, that, that God wants us to grab a hold of those things. I believe God wants us to walk in that, but he's given us a map, he's given us a pathway. Some of that stuff's in here, the known will of God. And some of it's that unknown will of God where the Holy Spirit speaks to you about certain individual situations. But here's the thing. Are you gonna, are you content to hear about it or do you want to do it? If you want to do it, can you just give me an amen this morning? Amen. There's a few of us. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, I want to thank you for this morning, God. Thank you. That's not over, God. We're going to enjoy some time uh, together, Lord. We're going to have some lunch together and stuff. But Father, I pray as we move on, uh, God, from this moment right now, Lord, don't let uh, anything that you've spoken to us, Lord, don't let it be snatched away. Don't let it be taken away. Father, I, I pray that everybody that calls this place home, that we would be radical deep water doers. God, that we would make that decision and that commitment.
that, Father, we're going to paddle out into the deep water. We're not going to just be content to know stuff. We're not going to be content to gather information. Father, we want to do the stuff that you've called us to do, as tough, as hard, and as nonsensical at times as it may be. We want to be people that do that stuff so that your blessing can be poured out upon us, God, so that we can see the transformations we need. We can see the changes we need. Have the victories that you have for us, Lord. Have the blessings that you have for us, God so that we can be a light in our community, a light in our society, a light amongst our friends, a light amongst our family, Lord. And Father, I just pray for the next seven days, Lord, when we do leave this place. God, just give each of us an opportunity to express the goodness and the love of God to somebody that doesn't know you yet. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Awesome. Listen, hang around. Don't run off. We've got the barbecue being cooked out there. I reckon the snags will be done in about 10 minutes. Uh, so we'll start loading the salads out here on the tables. Listen, if, 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 if you are here today and you don't know Jesus,